power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. And now for another fast-breaking news story, we go to our roving reporter. The podcast, Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants try to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. Nobody does it better. It is the Man of Tomorrow Savzu, the rated R radio star, Dr. Brian Sovereign, here to uh, uh, give a little update. Something that I've mentioned many times uh, over the decade run of Sovereign Tech that, you know, there's some subjects that you have to revisit. Uh, there, there are some, you know, like one year you recommend using X, the next year you recommend using Y. Why? Because things change. Um, you know, I mean, the tech world is something that changes, you know, by the nanosecond. And while I think a lot of developers and engineers and certain brands of enthusiasts, uh, which I would count myself in the number of a couple of those I just listed off, uh, would like things to be uh, a little slower, perhaps more stable. Let's get it right before we start, you know, breaking windows. Uh, or <laughs> I, uh, I didn't mean that to be a pun. <laughs> I meant that to be, you know, breaking glass. But breaking windows? Well, that partly inspired this episode. Um, and I am going to include this in the ultimate series, which we've been doing throughout 2021. While I had planned for a while to release an episode called the ultimate operating system, uh, because, you know, we covered like the ultimate messenger, a bunch of different ones. Okay. Um, I think that saying it's the ultimate operating system, boy, that that's a tough one to call, right? Because everybody has different uses. So it's not like messaging where, okay, no, you know, I need messaging that, that respects this and this and this and this about me. Um, and that allows me to communicate, you know, efficaciously. Okay. You can come up with one, uh, I think of those. And we did do that earlier in the year though. I, you know, I think some people would be shocked, uh, by what I am using as my primary messaging app, uh, right now. And no, it's not telegram or threema or anything I've, you know, discussed heavily in the past. Um, but we're not here to discuss that. We're here to talk about what is the best Linux distribution, you know, what's the best version of Linux uh, to use today in, you know, the waning months, the end of 2021. And this was inspired by a listener uh, bringing up that, speaking of breaking windows, uh, bringing up that they were really, really frustrated at you know, Microsoft for, with the Windows 11 home version for forcing you to have a Microsoft account and activate, it has to be connected online at first when you first start up Windows 11 um, to get into Windows 11, which is a new feature, uh, even though as far as having a Microsoft account, Microsoft has been pushing hard for you to do that ever since, I want to say, like maybe later on in Windows 8, 
you know, it's, it's life cycle. And certainly within windows 10, you could still skip it, but it was like a little link at the bottom when you're doing the install to skip it. But they've wanted this for a while. Um, I talked about this feature in when I, I mean, there have been two episodes where I've covered windows 11 in 2021 in depth. Um, and I talked about why I think they want that again. I had said that I didn't think it was nefarious. Uh, I think it had a lot more to do with, they just want to track install numbers because that number for whatever fucking reason, and it's been important to them since windows 95, uh, they, they really want to know how many devices have, you know, windows, uh, running on it. But I mean, certainly there could be nefarious aspects to it. I just, I think that it, it's, it's far simpler. Um, what, what's going on there. Cause I, I think it comes from the same attitude, uh, that, that, that some elements of Microsoft have where they are. And this is true for certain aspects of what you do in windows 11, they are forcing you to use the edge browser. Um, I, I could put a link in the show notes if I think of it, I, I will. Uh, but this has been, you know, rightly, uh, 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 derided and discussed heavily, you know, in the tech community or <laughs> which whatever that means, there's plenty of tech communities. It shouldn't, it's not just one. Um, but this has been heavily discussed, uh, because what the fuck, you know, I mean, one of the big problems with windows 11 that I, I think is absolutely like a, a legit complaint and there's plenty of them, you know, don't, don't confuse me, uh, is, they, they make it very difficult for you to set your default apps, your default software to open whatever files or to do whatever action. Um, and now it's gotten to the point where Microsoft has blatantly come out and said, no, there are just some things that we are going to force you when you open a link from said app or however, or whatever action, we are going to force you to open that in edge. You don't have a choice. Fuck you. And I, I mean that to Microsoft. Um, I mean that, that, that's so like anti-competitive, anti-consumer it, it, it's, it's a mind boggling attitude that speaks to a Microsoft of decades past, right? This is how Microsoft got its evil empire, you know, <laughs> uh, 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 moniker, you know, in, in news cycles in the late nineties is, you know, was this, these kinds of actions. But even that as anti-competitive and as anti-consumer as it is, like, I don't think that it's inherently a malicious action. I don't think it's something that has to do with uh, taking away your privacy necessarily. Okay. I don't think it has any, what I, what it has to, I mean, yes, it's taking away your privacy because it's logging you into edge and who, what are they doing with the data they collect from edge? Sure. Okay. But I think their thinking is we need to show you know, numbers for usage of edge or, you know, fuck, if we could just get people to see edge, maybe they'd be like, well, hell I'll use it. I mean, the sad part is, is that ever since edge became credge, it's become a genuine, in my opinion, a genuinely great browser. Like there are features in it unique to it, you know, compared to other, you know, Chromium based browsers, um, that I think put it, you know, th that put it very high on the list of browsers as far as like what a consumer would have would have a great experience with i think it's one of them i put it above chrome any day of the week and it hell fuck it's available on linux while we're speaking of linux um but you you fucked up here because you know now that you're like forcing people now the people that care they're going to stop using it when maybe they started using it like even on mobile edge was was 
was actually had some really, really cool features. It, it could read you stories. I mean, I know there's other apps that could do this, but again, folks, for security's sake, okay, remember, I always talk about this account minimalism and app minimalism. This can, this can extend to extension minimalism. Okay. You want to install as, as few things as fucking possible to secure your device and having a text to speech built into the web browser on mobile that could read the story to you is fucking phenomenal. Having an ad blocker easily built into an Android web browser, you know, if it was iOS, different story, you could do it across the entire, you know, operating system. Or if you rooted in Android, look, I know. Okay. You know, you're listening to, you know, who, who's talking here, man. Sometimes I, I, I'm, I, Sometimes the emails I get, I can't believe it. They're like, <laughs> because it's not like they're just saying, Hey, in case you didn't know, it could be this. It's always like, well, what I do is I'd install lineage. I know about lineage OS. I've run whole courses where I showed people like, like literal courses, people sitting in front of me when people used to be able to congregate together and, and would tell them how to like install custom ROMs, be it lineage OS or whatever was hot at the time. Holy shit, man. Anyway. <laughs> I know, but that's like the nature of the tech community, right? That's the nature of it is that everybody's wrong and everybody's got their hot take and, and, and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I, one could argue I fall into that sometimes, but again, I do this, as I've said many times, I do sovereign tech because my opinions are not represented. I, I, I take pleasure in that. Apparently a lot of other people uh, give a shit about my opinions or maybe share them. And that's why this show has so many listeners. Uh, awesome. You know, but man, <laughs> like, like guys, I know what's going on anyway, edge on Android was actually a pretty cool experience, you know, and, and what I recommend edge, no, because the anti-authoritarian in me is just like, Oh, you, you tell me I have to use that. <laughs> well, fuck your mother. N no way. But anyway, you know, I, I do think that ultimately comes down to they have to show investors, they have to show the metrics of, yeah, no, our browser matters, you know, or our operating system matters or whatever. And so they pull stunts like making, you know, the system go, go online when you log in, force you to have a Microsoft account, force you to use edge, you know, at, at certain instances, etc. Again, I don't necessarily think it's malicious in like, this is the government coming after you, you know, but I do think it's malicious to the consumer. Yes. You know, ultimately because it removes choice or it removes options. Now, I mean, it's yes, sure. It's easy to, to make a bullshit Microsoft account. Of course it is. Um, the, the other part, or I should say the other option, if you buy the pro version or, you know, an enterprise version of windows 11, um, you can, you don't have to have a Microsoft account, but I do believe it still forces you to connect to the internet on startup. So I, I yeah, I mean, it, it's bullshit straight, straight up. I'm not arguing for it, nor am I defending Microsoft for a second. In fact, it's part of the whole reason we're doing this episode. So that conversation came up in the telegram group. Um, and it then led to, you know, someone, you know, talking about Linux and asking about it. And, and I said, yeah, it's like, you know, I think it's time to, to do, you know, a refresh on this because in the past, and I want to say the last time I talked about, uh, what's the best Linux distribution might have been in 2019, maybe 2018. So it's been a couple years at least. Um, so, you know, it, at that time I would have just said, I, all right, 
if I remember the episode, I'm pretty sure, just as in previous years, for most of Sovereign Tech's history, I would have essentially just said, install Ubuntu. And, and that, that's, that's the end of the day. But as I said in the group, um, it's a conversation in that, that deserves a lot more nuance. And I think people who, you know, since Windows 11, and since Windows 11 has really, I, I think it's kind of been a failure. Like, I haven't had any issue. The machine that I have Windows 11 installed on, I haven't had a single issue with it. Um, I mean, it, it runs, you know, it, it's a machine that previously had Windows 10 on it, uh, you know, and it, it and, and I updated day one. Like I did not wait for, um, you know, for Windows update to tell me, oh, it's ready for your computer now. I put it on right away. It's an Asus laptop. Um, and I mean, I, again, I haven't had as far as, you know, technical glitches as far as bugs, things like, like I just I haven't really run into any of that. Um, any, any problems I run into this with this computer is really more, I think the hardware, cause I just, I push this thing to its fucking limits. Um, but granted, I also, I run start 11 on it. Um, I did the right click, uh, registry, you know, uh, edit slash hack, uh, so that I could get my right click menu back. And, and, you know, that this is an interesting, it's part of why I say that I think windows 11 is a failure is Microsoft is vocally coming out and saying, yeah, we might put some features back in you know, from, from previous versions of windows. And I think the right click menu is probably going to be one of those. Um, it, it, it's just not taking off, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't think it solved the problem that they thought they had. Uh, so I think there are other aspects that ultimately make windows 11 a failure, but bottom line being a lot of people are either a not upgrading to it or B are looking to get away from it. Certainly after windows 10s uh, security life cycle ends, which I believe is 2025. Um, you know, and, and I hear that. I, I, I mean, I got to tell you the other day I was looking online um, and I was wondering, you know, what, what is like, what does a Skylake laptop go for right now? <laughs> you know, like what's, <laughs> because I just want to install windows seven again. And I, I'm not saying fuck the security, you know, I'm just saying that I, I'll deal with it. I'll be extra careful. Okay. With this computer. And, you know, for me getting online, isn't even like a, a big deal, you know? Yeah. I download a lot, but I don't work. Okay. For me personally, I mean, for the work that I do, you know, in, in, in varying capacities, consultant capacities and, you know, in, in PR capacities and whatever else, different story. Yes. Okay. I do use services that are online, um, for that, but for me personally, I don't use, uh, like, like the web browser just doesn't come into the equation other than, you know, I will use it to go to, you know, five, six sites that I regularly go to every day to download stuff. And that's it. Yeah. I use my web browser to connect to my NAS, you know, and I do a lot of work on my NAS, you know, like office style stuff and everything. Um, but that's it, <laughs> right? Like I, I don't really need a web browser. Okay. And I, I would go so far as to say that if the bulk of what you do is online and in a web browser, you know, you're, you're not really using a computer. <laughs> okay. Like what's the point? <laughs> you know? I, anyway, I, I guess I'm old. I'm 40. I'm old. That, 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 that just, that must be it. 
I guess, you know, I, I come from a time before uh, web browsers, before, you know, like I even had a modem. And, you know, I, I could still spend all day on a computer without an internet connection. And I would not get bored. And it wasn't because I was young. It's because I was doing shit on the computer. That's why the computer has the power that it has. To do it on the computer. Again, I'm old. And that'll probably leak, <laughs> that, that factoid will probably leak into some of my conversation around what's the best Linux distribution uh, to use. Well, all of that aside, uh, again, people, I think, are leaving Windows in droves. Some people are ironically going back to Apple because finally Apple is making good hardware again. Uh, as far as MacBooks go, I wouldn't speak to anything else. Um, you know, and, and like these devices have have ports, you know, because maybe you want to do something that's not online. Holy shit. <laughs> Uh, uh, and, and, and I get that as for, cause a lot of people actually with windows 10, a lot of people left Apple because they were tired of what Apple was taking away from the MacBook, Right. And so they all, they came to, you know, some of them came to windows. Um, but that, that, that trend seems to be reversing for understandable reasons, you know, and the M one is impressive. Okay. I mean, you know, let, let's just, let's call it, I'm not saying, you know, that it, it's the greatest processor in history or anything like that, but I'm just saying it's impressive. Um, and then I think there are other people who have finally had enough and they're saying, yeah, I'll, you know, I'm going to start transitioning. I'm, I'm going to go to Linux and, and bravo to you, you know, for, for, for doing that. So if you're one of those that wishes to start dipping their toes into the Linux waters, uh, or, you know, it's been a while and you'd like to come back and say, yeah, I tried, you know, Ubuntu some years ago and, and but now I, you know, I'm really tired of things and I want to, uh, take control of my browser. Now, you know, th this is for you. One thing I want to make clear here. Okay. And, and this is an important point. Um, Linux, there, there are aspects of Linux that create the possibility for Linux to be the most secure operating system on the planet. I am not going to say that it is the most secure operating system on the planet, you know, like, like out of the box. Okay. Uh, it is on the consumer level, a lesser target because it's lesser used on the consumer level enterprise. I mean, look, when, when you connect to, to, to Azure, you know, or AWS or whatever, you're running Linux. Okay. Linux is the backbone there. Most of the world runs on fucking red hat. Like that's the end of the story. Okay. So it's not like Linux isn't a hot target. It is, but here's the thing. Linux can have well, maybe not as many, but you know, can, can still have zero days, can still have malware, can still have varying exploits and, and all this other jazz. Okay. Um, I don't really agree with the, the argument that, well, because it's lesser used, that's why it, it's a lesser target because again, it, it's just not true. Like no li Linux is everywhere. <laughs> okay. It's widely, widely used. Most people who are on a windows laptop or on uh, uh, you know, a Mac, are connecting to Linux and effectively using Linux all day long. You know, so like, I, I just, you know, I, that, that argument doesn't necessarily hold water. Um, you know, would it become a little bit hotter 
if more consumers were using it and then it might become of more interest to the everyday hacker. Yeah, I guess that, 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 that could very well be true. I'm open to that, but then most people, okay. If your only concern is the everyday hacker. Okay. Like the, the person who, I don't know, like, like whatever man in the middles or cracks into your system at Starbucks or, or something like that, what, what, whatever, whatever it is. Okay. If you're worried about that run of the mill person, that malicious actor, um, you, you know, the, telling you to run Linux is not the solution. Okay. Because again, like Linux can still be susceptible to whatever that asshat wants to do. You know, like that, that's not, that's not security advice is to install Linux. Installing Linux is more about you regaining control of your computer, which is designed to serve you despite what the tech giants may think. Okay. It's designed to serve you and it allows you to do whatever you want to do and make your computer, whatever you want it to do. And it's a statement against the tech giants themselves saying, you don't get my data. You don't get my business. You don't get my whatever. Okay. I'm not going to allow that. That's why you use Linux. You know, a few years ago and for most of its history, yes, there was the statement of no open source development is the future. Open source development is the way to go. Um, you know, this is why I use Linux because I'm going to make that statement. Well, again, you don't have to make that statement anymore. Open source one, like it just won that, that battle's done. Okay. I I've even talked to investors who they admitted in the past, or they had said in the past that, oh, no, no, don't open source stuff. You know, we got to have proprietary. That's how we're going to make our money, blah, blah, blah. Even a lot of those investors now are basically saying, oh, no, no, open fucking open source everything, right? Because now it's not about the code. It's about the data. It's about the data that that code collects. So nobody, you know, but that, that's not the only reason that open source won. It also won because that's the best way to keep all this shit afloat in an interconnected world. Okay. But we don't have to argue for Linux in that way anymore. Okay. Now there is an argument again, because it is open source. It has the opportunity to be more secure. That doesn't mean that it is. There are problems and we'll talk about it as we get into what's the best Linux to use at the end of 2021, going into 2022. Um, because I'm not going to say to you that somehow, you know, Linux is perfect world. Uh, especially since there are, you know, again, what's the best Linux distro to use. Now they're all based on the Linux kernel, but these distros all have wildly different development cycles, different development philosophies, uh, you know, all kinds of different, there's lots of differentiators with them. Okay. So we can't, you know, in fact, you're going to find out really, there isn't just one best Linux to use. Um, it depends on what you want to do with your computer, but that's the beautiful thing is that we're getting back to, okay, what do I want my computer to do for me? And you get to choose that on an operating system level, which is unheard of in the Apple and Microsoft space. That's the, that's the real beauty here. And what is, I think, becoming more important for people who do actually do shit with their computer, you know, instead of just check their email and whatever else. And not that I'm knocking that you got to communicate and there's the way the world works. And by all means rock that I'm, I'm not insulting you because that's all you do with the computer. Okay. But again, on, on that end, if that's all you're doing, like, like saying, well, install Linux, 
yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's not the market, right? Uh, but also if that is all you do, you could easily use Linux today. So there's no real argument for not using Linux there either. Okay. So no, nobody's, I'm not insulting anyone here. I'm just saying, if you want to get back to actually doing shit with your computer, uh, yeah, you, you've got some options here and we need to get into the nuance and discuss, um, what, what is best for you. But if you're a newbie, like I said, also, we're going to talk about that. So I want to start, I want to open up with why do I no longer say just use Ubuntu? Um, Ubuntu over the past few years, they've had, they've had an interesting decade. Let's put it that way. And I feel that the, the, the company that maintains and develops Ubuntu uh, canonical, um, they became victims of their own success. Uh, you know, they became in, especially in the, in the late aughts, they became like the version of Linux. Like they, at least in America and certain other parts of the world. Um, I think in Europe, Really, I feel like the Ubuntu of Europe has, and, and I know I have lots of European listeners. You can correct me if you want. Uh, I, I feel like uh, OpenSUSE was, would probably be, I, I think that's the really dominant Linux uh, uh, there. We'll certainly we'll talk about that. Um, but Ubuntu really tried to become a consumer force. And they made, it, it, I mean, some of it I approve, I applauded. Like I thought Ubuntu phone would have been great just because I wanted something to break up the monotony, you know, in the smartphone space. Um, and I love the idea, you know, I mean, I know Samsung does this with, with, uh, Samsung decks, um, but where, you know, it could be your computer as well, right. You just plug it in and all that. I mean, great stuff. And of course, windows 10 mobile was trying to do the same thing with, uh, what do they call it? Continuum. Anyway, uh, it's not like some of these ideas weren't good ideas, but Ubuntu just tried to do too much too fast instead of really secure their fundamentals. Um, I appreciate what they were trying to do by like trying to dominate in the netbook space back in the day. Uh, you know, all, all fine and dandy stuff, but then they, they just, they started taking everything way too far and they got away again. They got away from the fundamentals um, but now they're getting back to, okay, yep, we're going to use GNOME. We're going to use, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like they just, they got way too far away from the minimalistic, you know, stock Linux experience as it were. I mean, what is stock Linux other than Slackware? But you know what I mean? Like, like just that, that minimalist experience. And I know there are detractors of that. There are people who say, oh no, no, the reason everybody isn't using Linux is because it is too minimalist and people want their computers to like, you know, Ooh, ah, and you know, whatever shock and awe of them, I guess. Uh, obviously again, I guess I'm old, uh, <laughs> not to say that I can't be ood and odd. Um, I can, and I'll, I'll talk about that in, in a minute here, but Ubuntu just got too far away from being Linux. Now that said, is it a great operating system for, somebody who's very new to Ubuntu to jump in um, or, you know, who's new to Linux to jump in and start using Linux by doing Ubuntu. Yeah, it, it still is great for that. I mean, it's dead simple to install now. Um, you know, a lot of the package manager, I mean, all, all that stuff is really, really simple. Um, so I, you know, I'm not really, I guess in a way I'm not arguing against it, but I think that there are better options for a few different reasons. I mean, another thing that I really love about Linux is, you know, look, and, and this is kind of what I was speaking to earlier. I think our, our, 
our computer, not that we shouldn't have powerful computers, we should, but our computers are infinitely more powerful than they need to be. The only reason our computers are as, you know, like, why do we have, you know, 16 gig of Ram? Why do we have quad core processors? Why do we have this? And I mean, for the, you know, for the consumer and even for a lot of the business people, why do they have that? Because what they're doing needs to look pretty, right? I've brought this up a billion times over the years on Sovereign Tech. Photoshop, right? Adobe Photoshop. There is no fucking reason that Adobe Photoshop should not work as well on, a, you know, frankly, a one gigahertz processor, you know, like an old Pentium 3 of some kind, maybe, you know, or, or whatever, a Pentium 4, if you want to go there, two gigahertz, fine, I'll give you that, uh, and, and a gig of RAM. Like, there's just no reason, right? How much more can you do on whatever the latest number, whatever the latest version of Adobe Photoshop that's out there, how much more can you do on that than you could do in Photoshop CS2, which could run on the specs I just mentioned? What, Lightroom? Little, you know, I mean, come on. Really? <laughs> you know, for, for the everyday person? Give me a break. Anyway, 4K video processing? Don't even get me started on, on, on 4K and, and the bullshit, you know, involved with that. Okay. Or even to get into the subject of the problem that everybody thinks they're a fucking movie star today. <laughs> fucking TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Leave that kind of shit to your smartphone. Right? Anyway, there, there's just there's there's no real there, there's no real purpose behind it. Now we could get into uh, I mean, how about this? You know, because when I've brought up that argument in the past, people would say, yeah, but how are we going to get to the peer to peer future if we can't, you know, process blockchains and everything else and, you know, run run node software and most people are, aren't running. Nobody's running nodes on MacBooks anymore. Nobody's running. No, you know, what I mean? like, like, the, I mean, maybe they are, but most people, you know, now you have very dedicated, you know, very specific hardware with purpose, you know, with purpose in mind, built to purpose, totally different. You are not getting general purpose hardware meant to run that shit. And that's really my point is that for general purpose hardware, we don't need a 10th of the power that the average computer cells has. Just don't. And so one of the beauties of Linux for me has always been, and one of the reasons to use it has always been its ability to run on older hardware to not to, to, essentially to make computers of, you know, the past still relevant and not something that just gets thrown into a dumpster or, you know, into a landfill. That is a great argument, an argument alone to use Linux for anybody, in my opinion. I don't want to keep buying a new computer. I don't fuck it. You know, like, let me repair. Let's do, you know, the framework laptop style, the whole thing. Like, uh, just not interested. So the sad part is that Ubuntu started to fall out of that, where it was an operating system that really could no longer run on older hardware. Like it was losing that, you know, it had some spit and polish, but it lost its speed and efficiency. And that's a shame. And the other problem here too, that, and this, this speaks to a bigger issue, a lot of, so, you know, a big thing today is battery life for people with laptops. And I completely understand that. I'm with you. I want a computer, you know, that can do 20 hours or, you know, 
over 10 anyway. Uh, like I'm totally on board with you with that and why that's a good thing and et cetera, et cetera. I'm here. Windows PCs, Windows laptops. Now, I mean, Mac, Apple, totally different story. Okay. Yeah. They, they, they make everything, you know, work really synergistically software and hardware. Right. Uh, which I applaud them for with, you know, uh, uh, manufacturers like, like Asus, Acer, HP, whoever, you know, that make, um, you know, windows machines. There is a lot of like custom things, tweaks that they make, not to the hardware, to the software that allows you to get better battery life. And, and, and they, you know, work with windows on the, you know, or they work with Microsoft on this, you know, to customize windows, to get the most out of the hardware that they're building and so on. Um, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but where it becomes a bad thing is those optimizations. When you thought, when you bought that windows laptop, that you were going to get 14 hours out of it. As soon as you install Ubuntu or a Linux distro, or especially one that is not, that doesn't, you know, take, um, efficiency and, you know, low resources and speed as an essential, um, suddenly your laptop can't even get four hours just because you installed Ubuntu on it. And it doesn't have all those optimizations that the manufacturer made for, for windows itself. And again, Ubuntu really went away from that. And even frankly, even installing, you know, using like my, my favorite, um, desktop environment for, for Linux to this day. And it's been this way forever, uh, is XFCE or what I've always called crossface. Um, you know, even when I would use like Zubuntu, which has XFCE, you know, on it, it, it would still like the battery problem would still persist. Um, I don't imagine LXD did, would do that much better, like with Lubuntu or something like that. So it was, it was just a part of Ubuntu becoming a resource hog. And that's part of why I can't really recommend it. Um, in the, I mean, the battery optimization issues is a whole other thing, you know, unless you buy a laptop that has Ubuntu installed, pre-installed on it. And, you know, you know, I mean, and there are companies that have done, have, that have done this, even Dell offers, you know, some of their mainstream hardware, uh, or laptops with Ubuntu, you know, pre-installed. Then, you know, again, the manufacturer is putting in those optimizations Then you can rock that, but otherwise, you know, you, you run into problems. So, you know, I'm not, I guess the ultimate reason that I'm saying that I don't recommend Ubuntu, Ubuntu straight up is it's, it's just become a real resource hog. They're starting. I feel like they're starting to scale back on that, like switching back to GNOME, getting away from unity and all that, you know, is, um, or, or whatever they, they called their custom desktop environment. Uh, getting away from all that, like, I, I feel like they're starting to go back in the right direction. So it's still one that I don't think you're going to hurt yourself by, by installing Ubuntu with the caveats that I just mentioned. Um, but I, I think there are better directions to go. There are other, other things worthwhile to, you know, to, to look at now, believe it or not. I mean, and, and here's the thing too. And, and, uh, Again, part of the reason I also always recommended Ubuntu was that there was a company behind it that made money outside of a donation model. Not that there's anything wrong with donation models outside of a donation model or, um, you know, any, any other nonsense. I mean, now Ubuntu made that deal with Amazon, which I think is horrendous. Okay. Uh, you know, years ago, but you know, they made money based off of the tech support that enterprise users would, you know, would request. 
awesome. Like that, that, that's a great business model in my, and I'm not kidding. Like that's, it's a, it's a great business model to have. Um, there are, so Ubuntu again, it's, it's still pretty ubiquitous. Uh, and there's actually an even easier operating system you can use, which is Linux mint. Now Linux mint is Ubuntu based. Okay. It is very popular, arguably the most popular. I mean, I don't know what distro watch would say right now, but it's still, I think, largely the most popular operating, you know, Linux operating system out there or Linux distro out there. And it is easier to use. It does have a lot of advantages. It does take advantage of closed source drivers, you know, and, 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 you know, proprietary stuff um, if you wanted to. And, you know, that, that, that's great. But again, my argument against, against mint has always been, it's a very small development team. Um, they have made some deals outside of a, like a donation model or, you know, a voluntary model where they're just volunteering to develop this, which again, I'm not knocking either. Uh, and they do great work, but the small team has always made me sweat with them. Um, but admittedly it, I mean, for a large swath of hardware, you have, the, in my opinion, you have the best chances of your hardware working of everything, you know, your trackpad, your, you know, wireless, you know, chip, everything is going to probably, I mean, you have your best chances, regardless of when the computer was made of it working, but when you install uh, mint, so there's an advantage to that. Okay. If you're wondering, holy shit, is this, you know, if I install Linux, is everything going to work with mint? You've got your best shot in my opinion of everything working, including if you have a dedicated graphics card of some kind, um, that said gaming, is still not, in my opinion, it's still not there hundred percent where I can say, yep, go ahead and throw away your windows machine. Uh, you know, if, if you care about gaming and, you know, cause you can just use Linux. I, I still don't think we're at that point, but mint is certainly, you know, looking in that direction. There's others looking in that direction. I'll talk about that. Um, but that's based on Ubuntu as well. So it has a you know, a firm foundation, no doubt, so mint is also a great option. Again, if you're looking for something that also looks close enough and granted there's different desktop environments that you can choose, you know, with Linux. Um, but if you're looking for something that's close enough to what window, how windows functioned, you know, mint is the direction to go. Uh, and it is dead simple to set up. It is dead simple to install, uh, even simpler, I think than, than Ubuntu. Uh, and you have a very high probability of all of your hardware working regardless of what the machine is. So, you know, what, whatever model laptop you're using. So, you know, mint, I, I will recommend my only reservation continues to be the very small development community around it. Something that used to be advantageous with Ubuntu was the community where you could easily find answers on the internet. Okay. How do I do this? If you didn't have any fucking clue how to use Linux, how do I do this? You could probably find the answer with a quick internet search for Ubuntu more so than any other Linux distribution. That's really no longer true. Um, I feel like every Linux distro essentially has some kind of, you know, rabid community around it. And you can find the answer that you're looking for also because search engines have become far more powerful, but you know, those answers are available out there. So even that doesn't stand in Ubuntu's favor. Um, but mint will generally like circumvent all of that. Okay. That said, if you're a power user, I don't think that, and, and like, there's a lot of, I don't know, if you want to do some, uh, some real nitty gritty shit and like you want to, yeah, maybe you want to engage in some, some gray hat activities. How about that? 
We'll put it that way. I don't think mint is for you. Okay. Um, but we'll save that conversation for, for a little later. Now there's another popular Ubuntu. And again, there's hundreds, literally hundreds of, of Linux distros out there. So obviously I couldn't begin to cover all of them and I don't, I had no intention of doing so ever. Uh, but because most of them don't deserve the light of day is as, as hard work as gets done with them. You just, you gotta be careful because a lot of these things are hobbies. And it's another reason why it's important to do this episode. So, and, and not just for the newbies, but also I think for, you know, people who, who have been using Linux for a while, it's always good to get a refresher. And cause recently I did a bit of a refresher, not on Linux in general, but just on different distros. And wow, did I come up with some interesting results? So the other option out there, popular option that is Ubuntu based. And of course, Ubuntu is based on Debian, which is a fine option. Okay. If you want to rock Debian, very, very stable, very, very slow moving, conservative, you know, as far as a computer philosophy, very conservative, uh, development team. And I, and I love that. Um, but there's pop OS now pop OS was, is a version of Linux that is developed by a company called system 76 system. 76 is probably the, they are like the Apple of Linux laptops. Okay. Um, very popular, very well done hardware. And they've had, as far as I can tell, tremendous success with their business model. And, you know, if you want to buy a Linux laptop, should you go to system 76? Yeah. I don't think that hurts at all. Uh, like, I think that's a fine option. Now they offer a custom version of Ubuntu called pop OS, which has really become its own Linux distro. Uh, and you can install it really on anything. You don't have to have just a system 76 computer for it to work. Um, pop OS. I like, I like more even than mint. And I'm, I'm not, I mean, granted it has a smaller development team and you can see it because sometimes there are weird bugs and crashes that have, that I've experienced with it. But what I like about it is that it's development and funding model is based around hardware. Okay. Like they don't have to rely on donations or volunteers. Pop OS gets developed and gets worked on and gets, you know, updated and upgraded, et cetera, because it's based on the business model of selling their laptops. That's a great business model. Point being pop OS isn't going anywhere. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be around for a while and it's gotten a lot more popular over the years and it's only been around for a few years. Um, not like some Linux distros that have been around for, you know, decades. And I think arguably it could be around longer than even, you know, Linux mint. Like I'm more confident in the pop OS, uh, development team than I am in the Linux mint team. So, you know, just something to, to, to keep in mind. And now granted pop OS, I, I think still kind of falls prey. I mean, it, it's, it's still fairly minimalist. Okay. But I still think it kind of falls prey to where it's, it's trying to do some things that are, are meant to look slicker, you know, and a little more pizzazz like Ubuntu was going for. So that, that kind of bothers me. So really I'm not recommending any, you know, Ubuntu, uh, uh, there's really no, nothing I'm, I'm recommending here as far as Ubuntu based or Ubuntu itself. Uh, again, if you're looking for the easiest experience, brand new, yeah, Ubuntu or one of its flavor or, you know, or an offshoot like mint or even pop OS are certainly directions to, you know, th like that, that's probably going to be your, your best experience. Okay. Um, that said, so that that's more for the newbies right now, if you're somebody who's, you know, you're tech savvy, 
you're you're elite, right? <laughs> We're gonna use hackers' terms. Uh, you know, you're on. A, you probably don't need to listen to me about that, you know. But B, you're probably using something based upon Arch. Uh, Arch Linux, of course, is phenomenal. Has you know grown exponentially over the years. Um, it is a Linux distribution that gives you complete control of what you're doing. And when you are done installing Arch Linux, and this is not for the faint at heart, this is not for the newbies. Okay. When you are done installing Arch Linux, you essentially have made your own distro, right? Because it's so customized to what you want when you go through that process. It's, it's an absolutely beautiful thing. Um, I take nothing away uh, from Arch Linux at all. Uh, again, I think that that plenty of people, you know, use it and, and they use it for, you know, for that very reason is that it is so customized. Now, unlike Ubuntu or even Ubuntu's, you know, what Ubuntu's based on, which is Debian, unlike those, uh, there are, I don't think there are as many, you know, distros, offshoot distros that take advantage of Linux or, I mean, that take advantage of Arch, Arch Linux. Um, there's Endeavor OS which that is essentially trying to do what Linux Mint does to ultimately Debian. Um, they're trying to do that, but with Arch Linux as the base. Uh, it, I've used it. It works really well. Um, I like a lot of what I see. So if you want Arch as your base, but you don't want to go through the process of Arch, Endeavor OS is certainly something worth looking at. Again, smaller team. You know, I... I, I I just, I sweat a little about that. I'm not knocking the team. I think they're doing beautiful work. I hope I just expressed that. Um, but you know, is it going to be around for the long haul, which is something I always think about? Well, I suppose that could be up to debate. Arch Linux is going to be around, you know, forever. <laughs> I mean, Arch Linux feels like the new Slackware, even though Slackware is still heavily developed. And if you want to know Linux up and down and you are ready for an adventure of try of getting a degree in computer science, using Slackware and installing Slackware Linux is, will get you that degree in computer science. <laughs> I mean, or at least you should have one. Uh, phenomenal. I, again, I'm not, I'm not knocking Slackware. I, I just said phenomenal. I think it's great. Um, I've used Slackware in the past. Uh, you know, when Ubuntu became a thing, I ended up kind of walking away from that. But for me, as far as Arch Linux goes, I think the most exciting thing coming out is Manjaro. Um, Manj and, and it's not like it hasn't been around for a little while. It has. Now, Manjaro has, you know, I mentioned earlier how there are Linux distributions looking at gaming. Manjaro is one of those. Uh, Steam, you know, Valve even recommends uh, Manjaro. Now, it is Arch-based, which is amazing. Um, it, I, I think they've even made a version of it for Raspberry Pi. We'll talk about Raspberry Pi in a minute. Uh, Manjaro is something that I think could supersede Linux Mint, uh, especially on the gaming front, like a lot of the, uh, like the special bash scripts that they have during the, the Manjaro install that, you know, that, that will get all the graphics drivers for you. I mean, that, that that's some slick stuff. Um, it being based on arch, it has a very minimalist design. I think there are people who see that as, again, it seems like people see that as a negative for some reason. I think it's a wonderful thing, especially for a gaming PC. You want the operating system to be as lightweight as fucking possible. Um, but then, you know, again, different ideologies. Okay. If you want something that's going to handhold you, then yeah, may, maybe Manjaro is not necessarily the way to go, you know, where, where everything is pretty and it just gives you this, Ooh, yay. iOS experience or something, even though, come on, 
<laughs> does not doesn't iOS look like shit these days? <laughs> like, I mean, there's a beauty to it to some degree, but like. <sighs> anyway, all right. I'm, I'm not. I, I don't need to rip on Apple here. Uh, in fact, in, in a minute, I'm not going to. Um, you know, another reason that Manjaro comes off as very minimalist is it uses XFCE as its stock um, desktop environment. Again, I applaud that. I think that's great. Um, I really, really like Manjaro. And if I was going to use an Arch Linux, if I was going to use something besides Arch Linux itself, and I wanted to use something Arch based, I'd be using Manjaro right now. Uh, even though I think Manjaro has a, has like, has a weird package manager. And I'm not sure why they're using like a custom, like their own package manager. Maybe it's part of the gaming thing and they're looking in that direction. So they wanted to make their own because they're, I don't think they're using Pac-Man. Well, anyway, it, like I know it still has to have Pac-Man because that's what Arch uses, but I, I think they use something custom. Like it's, it's, it's spelled like Pac-Man, but it's Pac-Mac, I think is, is what it is. What I was type. Yeah. Anyway, odd choice. Like, I, I don't know why they wanted to get, maybe there's some explanation for that. Um, but I, I thought that that was a little weird. It's not a deal breaker for me and most people probably wouldn't notice, but I just, I find that kind of odd, uh, that they, that they're using their, like a custom package manager. Oh, well, um, <laughs> anyway, if you're looking at gaming, um, and you're not just using something that somehow uses steam OS, uh, I think Manjaro is well worth a look. Uh, for gaming and just in general, like it really has a great minimalist design. It's very fast. Um, I like it a lot. And it's based on Arch, which, you know, a lot of people might prefer, even though, you know, Debian is still rock solid. Um, and maybe people don't like the the slow moving pace of Debian. I, again, I can appreciate it. Uh, if you're wanting to use something more Debian based, that isn't Ubuntu and Ubuntu based. Uh, I used to use antics. I really liked what antics was doing again, small team, uh, but they recently signed up with, um, who's it with Mepis and like they, they basically joined forces and they're using, they, they started developing what's called MX Linux, which is really nice. Um, I've taken a look at it. I haven't deep dived on it, but if you're looking for something, you know, kind of fresh that uses Deb or that's Debian based, um, MX Linux, I think is worth a look. But that's going to get, because this episode doesn't need to be too too much terribly longer. We're going to get into privacy options and one other thing. But I want to talk about what I consider to be the, the, the elephant in the room. And no, not a, not a Linux version that has an elephant as a symbol. Uh, Fedora. So Fedora is... Slackware was the first Linux I ever used, but Fedora was like the first Linux that I loved. Uh, Fedora and, and part of the reason that I used Fedora so much was that Fedora was the only Linux at the time we're talking like in the aughts here that at the time, uh, supported power PC. So, you know, I used to be an Apple fanboy, you know, again, I loved my, my, uh, you, you know, my G4 cube loved it, loved my iBook, loved my iMac all over it, baby. My iPod. Fuck. I still have an iPod. <laughs> What are you talking about? Like, loved it. Okay. I, it's funny too. When people think like, oh, I'm just constantly bashing Apple. I mean, yeah. And, I, and I'll jest and I'll say, he's like, well, of course I'm bashing Apple. I'll bash them all day long, you know, but at the same time, like, no, believe me, I loved Apple, 
you know, there, there was, there was a time where like, yeah, fucking Apple fucking right. You know, like, like Apple was, was, you know, putting the fucking logo on my car. I mean, you know, the whole thing. So, you know, you, you can't just levy at me the simple, oh, he hates Apple. No, 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 no. <laughs> there was a time where Apple was doing really cool shit. And well, anyway, I just don't think that time is here anymore. Um, but yeah, but that's that's why I really got into Fedora was was because they, you know, supported PowerPC, uh, that architecture. And I stopped using Fedora uh, eventually, like Ubuntu also came on the scene and that that really blew me away. Um I would end up using Fedora again, like when I, when I moved to New Hampshire for a while. And then, then I slid back out because I was kind of supportive of what Ubuntu was doing. Again, they went too far. Um, and, and also I'm, I can make a whole episode about BSD distributions, like ghost BSD, which is awesome that that's, that's still an active development. I'm, I'm so excited for that. BSD is a whole other conversation that I'm not going to get into, but you know, especially after the Snowden revelations, like I went hard on BSD. Okay. And wasn't even necessarily using Linux so much. Everything for me, you know, like anything that mattered, I was doing on open BSD. Um, so, so that, that's kind of what happened there now with version 35 that just came out of Fedora and partly in preparation for this ep episode, I was like, let's see where Fedora's at as far as their workstation goes. And again, we're, we're talking about, you know, cause we could get into a whole other conversation around, well, what if I want to run a server? What's the best Linux for that? Cause those answers could be very different. Um, Fedora is another one where it is active. It has a very active development community, but it is essentially funded by Red Hat. Okay. Now Red Hat is owned by IBM that, or it's now owned by IBM. It used to run essentially on its own. Um, now we talked about this when that acquisition was made and there were a lot of people like, Oh, Holy shit. IBM's going to fuck this up. They're going to put bullshit in fedora. They're going to do blah, 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 blah. And I, I came out and said, it's like, no, you know what? I don't think IBM's going to fuck with red hat because red hat is, you know, it, it's so omnipresent. It's so like everywhere. Um, you can't, if you do fuck with it, you know, you're going to crash the planet. <laughs> Forget about crashing a server. You're going to crash the whole goddamn planet if you fuck around with Red Hat. So in many ways, you know, IBM buying Red Hat essentially just kept a constant influx, you know, in, into, into Red Hat. And to this day, I still think that deal of buying Red Hat was just IBM wanting to get there before Google or Microsoft did, or maybe even Amazon. And they just wanted to try and stay relevant because it's the only thing that's making IBM relevant. Uh, I mean, other than, you know, there's smart city initiatives, which I don't think are relevant to anybody, or at least they shouldn't be, but that's besides the point. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there, there was any harm in IBM buying Red Hat. It was just something that they, I think they felt they had to do. Uh, I don't know when conversations about Red Hat being for sale became a thing, but in many ways, I am happy that it's not Microsoft or Google that owns them. Not to say that IBM is some kind of golden child or anything like that. I, I wouldn't begin to suggest that, obviously. Uh, but, you know, Red Hat is just operating as Red Hat does. And Fedora, uh, you know, takes advantage and is in some ways the test bed for what Red Hat wants to put into itself in Red Hat Linux. Um, and I don't really have a problem with that because... 
there, there's never like I, I don't run into bugs with Fedora. And let, let's be abundantly clear here about Fedora. Two things. One. This is the operate. This is I don't think it's the only operating system, but it is the top operating system out of like maybe two or three that is uh, essentially like certified and required by NASA to be used. You know, like if you see most of the time when you see a computer on the International Space Station or back when space shuttles were a thing, they were all using Fedora. When you go into NASA, a lot of times you are seeing uh, environments, you know, desktop, whatever, enterprise, and everything's running Fedora. You are not going to launch people into space lives on the line if you're using some kind of beta product. Okay. Fedora is not a beta product. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how that rumor or how that nonsense idea started, but I've seen it around for many years. That's horseshit. Now Fedora was where I think Fedora suffered and where it did not, why it didn't take the dominant position that Ubuntu had, because again, it was getting funded by Red Hat, which is very successful on its own and has been forever. As long as Linux has been around, basically. Um, the reason I think that it didn't dominate like, like Ubuntu did was what I talked about earlier, where in the early days of Ubuntu, you know, coming into prominence, you had a tremendous community that could answer any question, you know, and like, okay, how do I do this? If you're new to Linux or new to Ubuntu in that sense. And you could always find that answer, just a tremendous community, you know, really passionate, kind people. Fedora didn't have that. And so because Fedora didn't have that, I think a lot of new, you know, people who were perhaps newbies in, you know, and we're all newbies at one point or another, myself included, but let's say newbies in the late aughts, um, they couldn't get the answers they needed for Fedora. And also there were certain, there was certain software that would start supporting dev packages and not RPM packages like Fedora uses that I think Fedora kind of got overlooked. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate. Because, I mean, Fedora was also like the main distro for Linus Torvalds himself for a very long time. I think for most of the time that he's used Linux, most of that was on Fedora. I don't know that it still is, but in the past, that was certainly true. Uh, so I installed version 35 of Fedora uh, uh, Workstation, which is, or, or no, desktop, which is their, their desktop. And holy shit, what, <laughs> what an operating system. <laughs> <laughs> or what a distro fuck that what a great time coming back to to fedora man it's it's like it's like putting on old leather i mean it, it mm, i was blown away and I, not only that i was blown away so they're using gnome as their you know as their there's their stock environment yeah you can put kde and all that stuff on here if you're into that that's fine um but man it's lightning fast and some of the little, little like gestures that they've made with touchpads, uh, I think are genius. Like the three finger gesture to just like lift up and like do the 30 foot view on the desktop. Um, I, I, I know it's not the only operating system that does that, but it worked really well. And the three finger swiping between desktops, you know, to, to different desktops, uh, or, you know, workspaces, man, man just like little touches like that getting rid of, you know, the start button essentially. And, you know, j just having some of these gestures, I, I thought it was genius. And it's like the balls that Microsoft doesn't have, you know, <laughs> like, 
everything about it worked really well. And and the other part too is that now you know the whole dab RPM thing that doesn't. I mean, with Flatpak, that shit doesn't matter anymore, right? You know, I mean, like everything's available everywhere now. Um, and you can get answers very quickly, you know, with with Fedora. Just and I, again, I think that's true for most Linux distros now. You know, the community exists. The community that Ubuntu enjoyed exists for almost every distro now. So that's that's not even like something to levy against any. Uh, 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 Linux distro. So, but I, man, and, and, and I put this on a dual core a shitty little, uh, like N4 Intel N4000 processor, dual core, four gig of Ram, uh, like on an EMMC drive. I mean, I put it on this, this shitty little, little Asus laptop, you know, a, a $200 jobber and it ran like lightning, man. You know, <laughs> I was, I was just blown away at, at, at how slick, of an experience that was and how easy it was to get shit done on that, to get work done on that, on the computer, not in the web browser, on the computer and how fast it all ran. I was blown away. And I don't think this is the other thing. Like I think Fedora is now at the stage, at least with version 35, it's now at the stage where I think anybody can install that and use it like newbies, whoever can, can, can jump on that. Um, and you know, to get used to, especially if you're looking for a career, in computers at all. And I know I have some younger listeners too. If you're looking to get a career in the tech world, um, understanding Fedora is in some ways understanding Red Hat. And like I said, Red Hat's everywhere. And so if you can under, if you, you're getting a jump on the rest of your peers, if you understand this shit. And if you're, in my opinion, if you're using Fedora, just a brilliant, brilliant uh, presentation that, that I, I thought that they were bringing. I, I was newly converted. <laughs> like I put that on and I was testing it out. And, and I, I, again, I was just, I was blown away. It does not have the issues of running slow at all, even on really, really low end hardware. Um, yeah, just fucking flabbergasted at, at, at how, how great of an experience, how fluid of an experience that was. Um, the one thing that might be different for some people is Fedora does not have you set up a like a user profile while you're installing it. It has you set that up after you've already, you know, after you've done the install, after you've gone through the install process and you're first logging in. I like that. I think that's fine. Um, you know, I, I mean, user profiles in Linux are more of a security thing than anything else. It's not like a Microsoft account, though. It does give you the option like Ubuntu does to log into your Google account, your Microsoft account, or your like next cloud account. Um, as soon as you log in, which is nice, but yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. Just a, just a goddamn stunner. <laughs> I, I, I was amazed. Um, I still think RPM packages are better than anything else, but again, like I said, you know, flat pack and everything, else, nobody cares anymore. You know, snap, n nobody gives a shit <laughs> about, about that stuff. It seems, um, and the battery life I was seeing was, was touching 10 hours on an older machine that the, you know, again, that, that battery has seen some wear, uh, that's impressive on a newer machine that really, you know, is power efficient and it's not just a windows trick. Uh, I would be amazed to see what that, what the battery life would look like on it. Uh, it, just, just incredible. Uh, I was really blown away by, by Fedora in some ways at the end of all of this that I'm talking about, Fedora is my top choice. What gets top marks in 2021 and into 2022? 
Um, I'm giving it to Fedora right now. Just, just stunned. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it, again, of course my, you know, like what are my criteria? How well does it run? You know, like say on lower end hardware, that might not be the same criteria for you. Um, Fedora can do gaming now. Like actually, you know, when you go into its package manager, steam is right there, you know, in its software store. Right. So you can install steam right away. Uh, steam. I mean, always kind of like low key worked with Fedora. It's just, they never really made it official. Um, but now for all intents and purposes, it is, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Now, Let's, uh, there's a couple other subjects I want to get into. Okay. So Fedora is essentially my top choice. However, if you're looking to have a very, very security hardened, you know, privacy centric operating system, we're going to talk about tails and we're going to talk about cubes OS. These are still wonderful, perfectly fine. You know, like absolutely use these. If you want to, if you want the most in privacy and security, you are going to use either tails or cubes OS, um, cubes OS. I recommend buying hardware that has really been like customized and like, and the install has been very customized to the hardware, like a privacy beast. Uh, that's actually the name of it. Um, you know, and some others that come with cubes pre-installed, I really recommend going that route. Uh, but you know, cubes OS is not for the newbie cubes. OS is for someone who has a good idea of what they're doing. Um, and, and it's phenomenal, like, and, and it is the direction that I want to see operating systems go. Don't, don't confuse me. Okay. Um, it is not something that can run on low end hardware though. <laughs> okay. Like you need virtualization. You need a lot, lots of other things. So I love cubes OS at the end of the day, you could say, I give it my top marks even over fedora, but it's, what is your mindset? What are you looking at? You know, what, what are you looking to do and have, um, yeah, I, I would say yeah, actually, you know, real quick, I, I want to bring this up too. Uh, you know, there are concerns like software that I've been using forever. Audacity, um, audacity got bought out by another company and that company is collecting metrics. Like this is definitely anti-privacy is collecting metrics around audacity usage and, you know, maybe other things depending upon what's getting installed. Um, I applaud most Linux distros and their, their, you know, their, their software centers do not offer the version of audacity after the company bought it. I think it's 2.3.01 or something like that. That was the last version before that other company started injecting their shit and started, you know, pulling their bullshit. Um, that that's a real advantage. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad for that. There's no need to ever update audacity. Frankly, after like version two, there was no reason ever to update audacity. Like it works brilliantly. You know, you got dark mode even fuck. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, that, that, that's just, that, that's something to keep in mind that I wanted to mention while, while talking about privacy, uh, which I really liked because when I went to go install it on that Fedora machine, um, it very specifically, you know, brought up how this is the version pre, you know, that buyout or that acquisition. So anyway, um, yeah, cubes OS phenomenal tails, tails OS is Debian based, you know, and it's one that I think everybody should just have a tails OS flash drive. Cause it runs generally runs off of, I mean, you really have to trick things to make it work full time on a laptop. That's really not its purpose. 
Um, Tails OS is just a version of Linux that I think everybody should have. It's dead simple. Okay. There's nothing complex about it. It's not meant to be complex. It's just meant to get you connected to the Tor network, you know, and, and have a, a more anonymous, you know, computing experience that you can connect to any computer around you. Right. I've done so many episodes about Tails OS. I don't know that I want to like get into a big conversation around it here, but Tails OS is still you know, under heavy development, beautiful development. I mean, or it's still, you know, developed and there's new versions, regular release cycle, basically every month. Um, it's phenomenal. So cubes OS, tails OS, great things to have in your arsenal. Uh, no doubt about that. So the other thing I want to talk about, you know, maybe you're wanting to experiment with Linux and you're not wanting to like redo your entire laptop. Uh, a raspberry Pi is a fine thing. If you want to experiment with Linux, Raspberry Pi, the, the, the little, you know, $35 or however much they'll end up costing you at the end of the day, uh, computers are wonderful little machines. I have one right next to me that I use often. Um, a lot of distros, Ubuntu, even, uh, Manjaro, I think, and, and Fedora, you know, like they will have either community built or officially built versions for Raspberry Pi itself. Even with the Raspberry Pi 4 or like the 4B plus, what you know, the latest model that has 8 gig of RAM, even with that, some of these Linux distros run a little sluggish at times. And you're also limited on what software you can install because Raspberry Pi is ARM based, right? It's not, you know, x64 architecture or x86, x64 architecture. So there is, of course the Raspberry Pi foundation, they make their own, uh, uh, Linux distro called, you know, Raspberry Pi desktop. Now I think it used to be Raspbian, but now they just call it Raspberry Pi desktop. Uh, my only, the only thing that annoys me with this is there is a 64 bit version of that out there that will take advantage of all eight gig of Ram on the B on the four B plus, but it's still in beta. Um, you can run the, and, and, and I get it. They have to, they have to write so many new packages for, for it to work, you know, with, with 64 bit, cause everything was developed 32 bit. Um, I understand, so I understand why they're going through that. I'm not knocking them, but yeah, uh, raspberry Pi desktop is fine. Like if you want to get started on Linux or if you just want an inexpensive computer, it's a great option to go with. It's a great way to experiment because it costs next to nothing. It's even cheaper than that. Asus, uh, what is it? L or yeah, the, the L203, which is L203 MA, which is the one that I was testing Fedora on. I mean, it's even less expensive than that. So if you, you know, again, if you want to dip your toes, a Raspberry Pi is a great way to do that. And, you know, it's a learning experience overall. Um, but Raspberry Pi desktop has come a pretty long way. And, and I think it does very well for general computing. Um, and, and for some development as well. So I, I want to applaud that team there for making something that's not just hobbyist anymore. It's fairly full-fledged, fairly full-fledged. Um, but at the end of all of this, I want to wrap this, this episode up at the end of all of this. Yeah. I, boy, do I recommend taking a second look or a first look at Fedora, even if you're a newbie. Um, I, I think there's advantages to taking, to taking a look at Fedora. I was just, I, again, I cannot express how impressed I was, um, with that granted. I have years and years and years and years and years of experience using Fedora. So 
you know, I am coming at it with that bias of knowing how to do things in it, you know, but I also felt, or I feel that in my 10 years podcast experience, I know how to put on the mindset of a newbie, you know, and, or somebody of the unfamiliar. And so I can look at it. Okay. How would this person think about it? That's kind of what I think is the spice of the sovereign tech show is that I, I can, you know, explain things to you in how you are going to experience it. Not necessarily in how I experience it, though. I certainly share that often enough as well. What does it mean to you? Right. That's, that's part of what I enjoy delivering and apparent and according to people, that's what I do deliver. Um, so, you know, I, I really think anybody can pick up Fedora and run with it. Um, yeah, I it, actually, and, and I, I don't think I got to this earlier. Amazon is now basing their, um, what do they call it? AL 2022, uh, their latest version, like it's version three of their Linux, which runs, you know, with, with AWS, uh, that is now Fedora based, which I found to be surprising. Part of me wonders, uh, you know, if <laughs> that has anything to do with blue origin, you know, uh, and, and they're going to space. And like I said, NASA has for all intents and purposes, only really certified Fedora for use in space. End of the story. I mean, there, yes, there have been Windows desktops up there, and that's terrifying. I mean, just the idea that aliens would see us using Windows, like, I get the shakes thinking about it. Because <laughs> they're just, they're, they're going to look down on our planet, and, and they'll see Microsoft, and they'll just go, should we grease them now? <laughs> you know? <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, yeah, so... I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but yeah, maybe Fedora's time has come. And I, I couldn't be more excited because it's one, of course, that I'm also very familiar with. Uh, but I was, again, I really, really had a great time uh, using it. And especially on such low end hardware, you may run into, well, I will caveat it. You may run into some, you know, like where, where it might not recognize certain hardware. We talked about that earlier, that Linux Mint is probably your best bet if you're wondering about that. Um, but I get the sense, you know, if you have any machine that's like five years and up, you know, only like five years old and, and, and anything newer, like I, I think Fedora is going to do pretty well for you. Uh, so there, there's my recommendation. I'll put links in the, in the show notes for all of these different distros and uh, we'll wrap this one up and Hey, let me know what you think. Send me an email questions at sovereigntech.com, um, you know, or any way you want to get in contact with me. Let me know what you think. Uh, or if, if you disagree with me completely about Fedora, boy, I'd love to hear that. So we'll wrap this one up and I will see all of you woo, on the other side.